Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. As of 2018, the United Nations estimated that the population of North Korea stood at 25.6 million. The second largest population of North Koreans can be found in South Korea, an estimated 30,000. Third place goes to New Malden in southwest London, with over 650 documented North Korean defectors leading many to call it Little Pyongyang. And it's here that the latest film commissioned by the documentaries team at The Guardian is set, centred on a man called Jung Wa. Imagine, as I said, like running away from one of the most trying experiences possible in search of, it's not even in search of a better life, which is maybe the immigrant story, just in terms of survival. And whilst his incredible story, and that of all North Korean defectors, is very specific, there is a universal relevance the film manages to draw out. Home is something that I think, you know, it's something that appeals to everyone. But I think in particular, like, when you are from an immigrant family, that it is something that comes up in your day-to-day life that, it, that you know, I assume it might not do for, for other people. <laughs> I'm Charlie Phillips. Welcome to Doc Tales. After like spending months like hearing about, I'm very excited about getting into New Alden. After spending months hearing about this place, I'm really not sure what to expect at all. Apart from like the moment in the film where you see a street, that's all I know of it. For those who don't know, New Malden is a suburb in southwest London, about 10 miles from the city centre, which in London terms isn't that far. As it turned out, once I got there, I realised that wasn't all I knew of it. I'd been there before, collecting some vintage furniture I'd bought from an old woman on eBay. It struck me as a very straightforward suburban area, far from the buzz of central London. Which nicely encapsulates the unassuming nature of New Malden, who would have thought it had the largest population of North Koreans outside of Korea. To find out a little more, I spoke to the filmmaker behind Little Pyongyang. I am Roxy Rizvani, and I am the director-producer of Little Pyongyang. Sitting in a park in New Malden, I asked Roxy when she first came here. 
probably like five, more than five years ago, because uh, it's where my partner, who I've been with for a while, grew up, and his family still live here, so I was coming here quite often. And, you know, over time, and we got to know that there was a big Korean community here before then actually finding out that it was a big community for North Korean defectors. Um, and it might seem strange to people that North Korean expats, defectors, whatever, chose to come to this particular part of London, because it's maybe not the most obvious place uh, in London to come. So do you know why North Koreans chose to come to New Malden? It's a bit like how any big uh, immigrant or you know refugee or diaspora group probably grows which is that a few people get here first and then it and then people join and join and it is as simple as because there was a big korean community here i really can't assert any more i don't know knowledge on how the korean community grew beyond just the hearsay that the korean community grew here because there used to be a south korean embassy here 제 앞에 펼쳐진 하우스들을 하우스들이 보였는데 길가에 침니가 있는 걸 봤어요. 그래서 굴뚝이죠. 굴뚝이 있는 걸 보고. And do you know why they choose to come to the UK rather than any other country? Yes. So one of the first questions I actually did ask Jungwoo uh, and lots of the other people that I was meeting who uh, were refugees was, yeah, why the UK? And I think because most people assume like, well. South Korea is just just a hop across. Why you know why not stay there? And, and and everyone speaks Korean there. The first answer is almost, and this is coming to me from what they've said, is that they say when they're at school, one of the few other countries that they learn about and they're taught about in school and history lessons is the UK. And they learn about the glories of the Industrial Revolution. They learn through rose-tinted glasses about Britain's colonial history. And as you can imagine, I think it really should tell British people something that North Koreans <laughs> through, you know what I mean, really want to teach their kids about what Britain did to the rest of the world and the empire it built. 지금 영국에 살고 있는 탈북민들이 그 정착과 또 여러 가지 어려운 문제들을 돕는 데 많이 해왔고 So this evening I want to talk about the film. Um, once you decided to make it, what was your process for finding your characters and was it a struggle trying to win people over and convince them to be in the film. Okay, so I'd say that this is a, was a really different project for me than maybe how most journalists approach making films or, or pursuing stories and that it wasn't like I was like, I really want to do something about North Korean defectors and then I had to go find them. This was something that was like years in the making and much of it so because people were just coming to me. So as I was saying, like because I was coming to New Alden already really regularly and I really knew the area well and I knew the dynamics of how things worked you i just began to meet people believe it or not there is a new Malden arts festival and one of the events was one of north korean defectors talking about their experiences and coming to the uk the role that art has played in their lives and you go and you meet people and i think that especially because i wasn't pursuing the story as a journalist when you're meeting people and you're actually meeting them human to human believe it or not you you bond with people a bit easier that way so through that experience of just meeting people meeting more people just being interested in what people had to say, met Jungwa. The focus on Jungwa and I think the connection to Jungwa almost just came from 
him being, I guess, the first person where I could see that our conversation, it was like I could see that the conversations we were having was, on the one hand, something that he wanted to have more of he'd be like oh I'd like you know I'd love to talk to you more about what you do and your job and things but I could also see that there was something on his mind that he wasn't sharing and that was almost what made him the most interesting person to me when I could almost see that I was like, oh, this is someone who isn't being very forthcoming with their story, isn't at a place where they feel they can almost tell their own tale of how they escaped, the pain that they went through. But there's something in their eyes that means that they really want to talk about it. That's kind of what made me go, okay, this is this is almost like the guy that needs to make this film with me. So do you think this doc would have been possible if you hadn't spent years building up trust and friendship with people here? Um, the short answer is no, not in the same way. Like, I think if it had been something, like I was saying, where more traditionally people, they start with a topic, like, I'm interested in North Korea, I want to speak to some refugees. I think that's why you do see, and that's not to, for me to toot the horn of the documentary, but I think when you see other people who are just taking testimonial, i.e. they're just turning up and they're just asking questions and, and that's it, they're getting answers to questions and that's it. That's why I think it's contributed to the fact that British media only see North Koreans as that's it, as refugees or as people from which to gather testimonial and that testimonial is sad and they only exist in that dimension. And so for me, and, and so much of why I wanted to make the film and how each decision was really made was with the benefit of actually having to, to getting to know Jungwa and getting to know lots of different people, I was almost like, I really need this film to be about you and I really need people to understand you particularly and what you're about. And I think that's why when you look at the film, that's why it maybe as it wasn't intended to be, it doesn't come across like a traditional film about a refugee. And that is because it wasn't meant that way. It was meant to be made about Jungwa, the man and the person. In this way, the documentary focuses much more on the person at its epicentre than the bigger picture. And by also focusing on his ambivalence about living in the UK today, flips the usual approach on its head. Instead of focusing on Jung Wah's experience as a way of attempting to capture the horror of an authoritative dictatorship, little Pyongyang puts his story first, and everything else comes after. And by doing so, taps into universal themes of human experience, themes like home. Home is something that I think, you know, it's something that appeals to everyone. But I think in particular, like, when you are from an immigrant family that it is something that comes up in your day-to-day -day life that it that you know I assume it might not do for, for other people as someone where my mom is Malaysian Chinese and my dad is Persian both my parents came came here for the first time and you know as immigrants and I think it really means that as I said when you're growing up you're very aware of the complex nature of the idea of a, a home and being able to have that like split nature when you talk about your culture you talk about your identity you do talk about home 
And so for the film, I mean, not only for me is this a film that will relate to North Koreans, but I think should hopefully carry a lot of relatable elements for anyone that's coming from that kind of situation. I think where, where it really got me, as I was saying before, like in the same way when I heard about the idea that I'm like, oh, there are families here, there are kids growing up with North Korean parents. The questions that were coming to my mind were like, what are they going through? Let alone like how my parents had to explain to me about Iran and a, a, about Malaysia, where my mum grew up, and I've had the benefit of going to Malaysia, say, and then beginning to let that be a bigger part of my life. For me, I've, I've actually never been to Iran, and my dad has never been since he left because of the revolution there. And I think that's why, on a really personal note, I really related and really began to ask myself questions about what it must be like growing up as a North Korean in the UK. And it was almost like my real interest was not... It was in North Korean refugees as they'd come from North Korea. But I was... You know, my mind was really taken with those kids and thinking, well, how do... how Imagine how painful it must be to go through this process and then have to relive that for your kids... Uh, and want to share that experience with them so they know where they were coming from. So I but at the same time, the reason you left, right, was to shield them from that experience so they wouldn't have to live through that and you also want them to not be burdened with the trauma that you've been through. And so navigating that particular dynamic when it comes to like thinking about home and I think that's almost like that darkest line was where we ended up on that trail of exploring that topic and I think hopefully that's what people can take from the film. 제가 그동안 자식으로서 부모에게 해줄 수 없었던 그런 것들을 그 5개월 시간 동안에 자식 노릇을 좀 했습니다. 그래서 내, 내 손으로 직접 뭐 사도 드리고 맛있는 것도 해드리고 구경도 조금 시켜드리고 Something that I haven't experienced is that English is my first language and uh, and I speak English with both my parents. I, I don't speak uh, in their native languages. But hearing, I think, from Junghwa's end, this idea that, which he offers up very honestly, and I think in a way that I was very grateful that he didn't shy away from being this honest with people, was that idea that, like, imagine, as I said, like, running away from one of the most trying experiences possible in search of it's not even in search of a better life which is maybe the immigrant story just in terms of survival and then getting there and then not being able to reap as I put it the rewards of paradise and I think that that's defined for him particularly by not being able to complete that journey with his kids and he sees that as the language barrier <laughs> And he sees that, especially uh, as not being able to, to give his kids everything that he thinks they deserve. How long For like, for our Eastern Asian cultures, so much of your role as a parent is to be able to hopefully like, pour 
your life into your kids and make sure that the next generation has it better than you do. So for Jungwa, as we go through in the film, he really recounts how much his own mother sacrificed for him. And I think for him as well, in terms of making her sacrifice worthwhile, he sees that as completing the cycle by being able to do everything for his kids possible and sort of be the father to his kids that his mother wasn't able to be for him, which he doesn't see as her fault. He sees as a fault of, of the, the state and the dictatorship. So when he comes to the UK and he's like, remove that, those elements and is now like, oh, I'm ready to give everything to my kids and, and really make their hopes and dreams happen in a way that when he talks about wanting to be a champion ice skater and how that couldn't happen, he wants that for his kids. He's like, if they want to be, he's talked about how, again, if they want to be Wimbledon champions, I want to be able to be there for them and make that happen for them. Just the idea of having that that ability to have a conversation about hopes and dreams with your kids when that's removed because you're not really speaking the same language like for me it was unfathomable of what that could be like and and so that's why it became such a a sticking point in wanting to convey that in the film this is what the film little pyongyang does so well like all good documentary, it manages to resonate much deeper than the detail of the subject's story. Do you think you were trying to say something Meaning that, as Roxy points out, Little Pyongyang is a film as much about Jung Wah the real person as it is about anything else. Something that is only possible because of Roxy's approach to this project. Because I had not started off as a journalist that was following North Korea, you know, in terms of its international relations, in terms of what's going on with Kim Jong-il and then Kim Jong-un, for me, my approach was very much, I wanted people to watch the film and get to know Jung-hwa as an individual, to, like, understand his story, to understand the specifics of his story, maybe even relate to it. Maybe it could just be, like, the journey that any parent has to go through when their child is from a different generation. And in that space, right, I hope that people then suddenly realise that whilst we do treat North Koreans often as these kind of like people from a faraway land and people often talk to them as if they're coming from a really alien space, that actually when you watch this film, and a lot of people I hope will watch it because of their North Korean interest, that they actually know a lot more about North Koreans than they think. Mm-hmm. And it's that funny thing which people just have to be told, like, ah, the things that weigh most on people's minds are the things that make humans tick. And in that way, hopefully, what I hope people get out of this is that and when they learn more about North Korea and they do become interested is actually they begin to see North Koreans themselves and their journeys in a much more humanised way. 마지막에 결국에는 사회적 변화가 사회가 변화하고 바뀔 거라고 생각을 해요. 그 사회는 계속 지탱해 갈수 없는 구조이기 때문에.
Special thanks to Roxy Rezvani. Make sure to check out the full film Little Pyongyang out today on The Guardian Documentaries. Just head to theguardian.com forward slash documentaries. This episode of The Story was presented by me, Charlie Phillips, and was produced by Max Sanderson. Most of the music you heard in this podcast is from Little Pyongyang and was composed by Matt Huxley. Just came out, uh, yeah, so like the bit literally where he shot one of his wife is on the end. And then we shot another sequence that came out of the film at the end. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to the story on your favourite podcatcher. And if you have ideas or feedback, send us an email on podcasts at theguardian.com. Until next time. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.